You are Locked On Jags, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Jaguar fans? It's your man, Tony Wiggins, with another edition of Locked On Jaguars on a Tuesday. I got a busy show for you today. I want to talk about some things that's going on in the national media about the Hall of Fame and how it affects Jacksonville. And I'm going to get right to it. So I'm going to go backwards and forward. In the third segment, I want to talk about how these things that are going on in the national media will affect Jacksonville if they don't get it right. And I'm going to tell you, if they do get it right, how these things will not be factors for Jacksonville. So uh, that means that something has to go right for Jacksonville, and I can tell you what those things are uh, moving forward and who those things will affect. What things am I talking about? I'm talking about the Hall of Fame. And there's uh, two two things uh, here at stake. In the second segment, I'm going to talk about Fred Taylor and Jimmy Smith and why they seemingly keep getting overlooked for guys like Julian Edelman who a lot of national pundits are now trying to get Julian Edelman into the conversation for the Hall of Fame when he absolutely has no business being mentioned in the Hall of Fame. It's all over the place, man. There's so many people. I'm not going to even start mentioning who it is. You can find it on social media. But uh, his numbers are about as half as good as Jimmy Smith's. He's basically being awarded because of team awards. But when you really look at it, Jimmy Smith also has two Super Bowl rings. Guys like Fred Taylor, if you ask players, Guys like Fred Taylor were better players than Julian Edelman, and I know they play different positions. But they get punished because they just don't have the team success that a guy like Edelman had. And Edelman is basically – and he's had a wonderful career. And, you know, you get caught up in having to disparage a person when you really don't want to, but it's just that he's boosted up so much because he's in a market and – Uh, because his team had so much success and guys like Jimmy and Fred get knocked down. In the first segment, I want to talk about something that Jeremy Schapp, who I do respect, and I hate when people always talk about uh, that he's not his father, Dick Schapp, because, you know, there's a reason I didn't name my kids after me because I didn't want people saying that my kids weren't as good as me, even though I think they're better than I am. But still, he doesn't have to be Dick Schapp. I think Jeremy Schapp is very good at what he does, but – He did a little soliloquy and he tweeted out an excerpt of it where he talked about how it's dangerous to um, draft a quarterback first and and you need to consider it because there's only been two quarterbacks in the history of the last 50 years that were drafted number one, two or three overall and actually won a Super Bowl for the team that picked them. And that was uh, Troy Aikman and I believe it was – I think he said Troy Aikman and John Elway or Troy Aikman and Peyton Manning or whoever. Uh, I kind of find that to be weird and and, and a little bit wrong. Uh, And I'll tell you why. I think it was weird and I think it was wrong. And uh, we'll go over that too. I think it was just really, really weird. So we'll start with that. And the reason why that applies is because Jacksonville is taking Trevor Lawrence first. So let's get right to that part first and we'll discuss that. Why would you not take Trevor Lawrence first if he's the best player at the most important position? Uh, So that's why I found uh, Jeremy Schapp's uh, tweet and reasoning a little bit weird and misplaced. Because 
I'd, I'd say about anywhere between 88 and 92%, and I'm just guessing because I'm not really into analytics like that and percentages, but I'm going to guess and say 88 to 92% of the Super Bowls that were won. Well, first I'll say this. 100% of the Super Bowls that were won in the last 50 years, the team that did it had a quarterback. I, I think everybody would agree with me that the team, every team that won a Super Bowl in the last 50 years did it with a quarterback. A quarterback, okay? Now, I'd say about 92% of those teams at the highest, 88% of the team at the lowest, won those championships or those Super Bowls, and the quarterback was maybe the most important person on the team. That percentage actually goes up later, you know, as of late, as of the last 25 years, that player was the, you know, was the most important team. Now, I could probably name two two different organizations and maybe three teams, both of the Ravens teams, Ray Lewis was probably the most important player. And the Denver Bronco teams, even though the Denver Bronco team had Peyton Manning, he wasn't the Peyton Manning that we remember. And Von Miller was probably the most important player on that team. But outside of that, most of the quarterbacks or most of the teams that won the Super Bowls, the, the most important player on that team was the quarterback. Okay, so if we know that, then that means that teams are correct and right to prioritize the quarterback position as a priority. And I know that sounds weird to say that you're prioritizing prioritizing the quarterback position as a priority, but you're making it a priority because that position is so important to a, a team's success. If you don't believe me, the Jaguars have been bad, primarily for most of their uh, football lives with the exception of a few years in their history. Why? Because they've had subpar quarterback play specifically in the last decade. Correct? Correct. That's why the Jaguar fans are so happy about getting Trevor Lawrence. So this little soliloquy sort of would rain on the Jaguars fans parade and say, don't get so happy and get so enthusiastic about taking a quarterback number one, because it never really leads to championships. That's a playful way of playing with numbers that proves your fact and proves your point. So let me go and break this down a little bit. Eli Manning was not chosen by the Giants. He was chosen by the Chargers. But on draft day, they traded him to the Giants. Okay? He told him he wasn't going to play for him. He was drafted, traded, boom. I think that's what happened to Elway, too, if I'm not mistaken. So that might be two guys that never played for the team that picked them. And the only reason the team picked them was to trade them. Okay? You can add Steve Young into that equation. He was picked by a team that he never played for and was traded. I think it was uh, the Bucks, if I'm not mistaken. There were a lot of quarterbacks that were taken by teams that they didn't play for, and then they went somewhere else and won championships. So just because they actually technically didn't play for the team, even though they were chosen very high, Mr. Shap decided he was going to just play with y'all's emotions and pretend that that just didn't happen, okay? He's also forgetting the fact that guys like Matt Ryan, who were top three picks, um, Andrew Luck, who was, who was number one pick, there were a number of years that Peyton Manning was, uh, you know, who was the number one pick. And I'm mentioning all those guys for a reason. 
Because all of those guys had to play against a guy named Tom Brady who won seven championships. Seven. There's also this other factor. And so Tom Brady, the point I'm making with that is Tom Brady's kind of like the Michael Jordan. Patrick Ewing was the number one pick for the Knicks, and there was a reason Patrick Ewing didn't win a championship. It wasn't because the Knicks made a bad pick. It's just because that Michael Jordan was so good, he prevented Patrick Ewing from ever winning a title. So it doesn't mean that he wasn't supposed to be the pick. Right? Right. So let's get to this other thing. Just because a team chose a quarterback, and I'll go back to Mitchell Trubisky being chosen by the Bears, doesn't mean the fact that they chose a quarterback was not wise. They just chose the wrong one because had they chosen Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't mean that they would have won a Super Bowl. However, Patrick Mahomes being chosen by Kansas City and in his first year as a, as a pure starter won a Super Bowl and is now looking like a guy who's going to go on and win, a, and win multiple championships, at least he's already won one, kind of proves that you can choose a quarterback if you – uh, pick the right one in the first round and win a championship. It's just that the Bears chose the wrong quarterback early, right? So if you go back through all of these drafts where teams chose a quarterback, number one, two, or three, according to Jeremy Schapp, let's answer this and let's ponder this question, right? Oh, by the way, Cam Newton also lost to Peyton Manning uh, in a Super Bowl, so he got there too. So let's answer this question. If those teams hadn't chosen a quarterback with the number one pick and they had chosen someone else, go back and look at all of those drafts and they decided that they were going to pick another player at another position, not another quarterback like the Bears didn't didn't choose Trubisky, but they were going to choose another player at another position. Would their fortunes have changed? If they chosen a left tackle, defensive end, running back, wide receiver, or cornerback, would their fortunes have changed? And that means that, oh, so by not picking a quarterback, your chances would have gone up and you would have won a Super Bowl. If the answer is no, which I can probably guess, I'm doing my percentages again, it's probably 99.9999% that the answer is no, they would not have won a Super Bowl had they picked another position, then what's the point of Jeremy Shatt? Jeremy Shapps soliloquy. The point is, is just to put fear into the hearts of people that need to choose a quarterback number one overall. You could have said that about any position. Go through any position in the National Football League over the last 50 years and say, if you choose this position number one overall, your chances of winning the Super Bowl is this. And I guarantee you, the numbers will spell out for you that it's not that good. Because you know why? Winning Super Bowls is difficult. All he had to do was say winning Super Bowls is hard, man. That's it. But who expects to win a whole bunch of Super Bowls? Peyton Manning won two in like 16 years. Brett Favre won one in I don't know how many years. Aaron Rodgers has won one Super Bowl and he's like 36, 37 years old, right? Ben Roethlisberger won two and he's 38 years old. No one is asking Trevor Lawrence to come to Jacksonville and win 12 Super Bowls. Tom Brady's won seven and he's played for 20 years and everyone is calling him the GOAT. That means he played 13 years where he didn't win a Super Bowl, right? So my thing is, is this. 
Nobody's unrealistic in thinking that the Jaguars are going to win a Super Bowl every single year that Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback. That's not the point. Nobody's even saying that. No one is even expecting that. They just want the Jaguars to be relevant and have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Stop hating on the opportunity and the chance that this organization has to get better. That's it. Or shall I say, that's it. D-A-S-S-I-T. That's it. Come on, shop. Get it right, bro. Nobody's thinking about nobody coming here winning all of these championships every single year. And by the way, when you mention Troy Aikman's name, mention that he won three. Don't just say there were only two guys to do it. When you mention Tom Brady, even though he wasn't. So what do you want the Jaguars to do? You want the Jaguars to wait till the sixth round to draft their quarterback because Tom Brady won seven and he was a sixth round pick and that will improve the Jaguars' chances of winning the Super Bowl if they take a quarterback in the sixth round as opposed to the first? What's your point? I don't think he had one. More to come on this Hall of Fame talk in just a second here on a Tuesday edition of Locked on Jaguars. I got to tell you about Bet Online because it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. College basketball may be over, but the NBA is in full effect along with hockey. It is going on right now in the NHL, man. And Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way for you to make a bet, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code. And of course, that code is locked on. It's Bet Online, and it's your online sportsbook experts. It's where I go, it's where you need to go to get paid. It's betonline.ag for all of your sports betting needs. All right, man. So there's this thing, man, called Locked On Today, right? It hits you early every single morning. It's 20 fast, hot minutes, and my man Peter Bukowski is the host. It gives you all the hot news from around the sports world every single day, early, 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 from every sport around the country, all the hot sports news, and it uses all the local experts to give you all of the news every single day and tells you what's going on. It's like taking espresso, man, while you're on your way to work. So tune in to Locked On Today's podcast. Please subscribe. It's on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Team success. The importance of team success is critical um, for individual success, for building the brands. And you've heard Urban Meyer talk about team success and how it is a, a big factor in building the brands and uh, helping guys create their own success here in Jacksonville moving forward, being the best of the best. And had that happened more often in the past, you would, I believe, see some Jaguars already in Canton enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I know I'm not bias when I say this because I try very hard not to be but I take the um, I take the word of former players very very seriously and um, 
I call a spade a spade. I'm not one like like if I had an ugly son, I wouldn't say that, you know, he he was like real handsome if he wasn't. I mean, I'd say that I just tell him bless his heart. You know what I'm saying? I just give him a hug and you know, I wouldn't call him ugly, but I'd be like you good. Don't, you know, don't let nothing get you down, bro. But I would not fool my my kid into making him think that he was a little 20-year-old version of Billy D. Williams and have him get his feelings hurt. So I wouldn't do that to football players either, right? Uh, Fred Taylor was a dominant football player. Fred Taylor was one of the seven or eight best running backs I've ever seen in my life, and I'm 51 years old. Physically, he had it. Uh, psychologically, mentally, all of that stuff. Uh, and I've said this to Fred. I've said it right to him. And, and I didn't realize at the point at the time I said it, and I, I almost thought Fred was going to, you know, try to yoke me up when I said it. I said, with all due respect, I thought Jimmy was the best player that ever played here. And I didn't realize at the time that I said that to him, that that's hard to say that to somebody. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, it, but I, but I said, but I, what I told him was, this is the time when they were talking about the top 25. I had said that on the radio when I was working in terrestrial radio. And I told him, I quoted him what I said the day before. I said, yesterday I said that, uh, of course, you, Baselli, and, and, and Jimmy were top three. And I said yesterday I thought Jimmy was the best I'd ever seen. And he nodded his head. I said, but Fred, it was hard. I thought you were right there. I really did. Let me give you my reasoning for that. My reasoning for that was at that time it was a passing league, right? And at that time, even though there were some good running backs in the league, I thought the most dominant players in that league, at the, in the league at the time, were Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, and a bunch of other receivers. You could talk about Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison. It was really a passing league at the time, and this is when, you, you know, you had the the Peyton Mannings and the Brett Favre's and Drew Brees, and of course Tom Brady's. All of these guys breaking records, right? Kurt Warner, the greatest show on turf. All of these guys breaking records, and Jimmy Smith was top five easily during that period, in my opinion. That includes Chris Carter. That includes all of these cats. I'm talking about on any on on any week, any Sunday, on any given weekend or Monday or whatever, I guarantee you if you went to any of these cornerbacks around the NFL, Jimmy Smith was, if you asked him, I mean, if you asked him to be deadly honest, go ask the 10 best corners in the league around that time. Name the five hardest guys. Name the guys you don't want to guard one-on-one. I guarantee you none of them would have got the number five before they before they didn't say Jimmy's name. And I know for a fact, I've heard, I've been, I used to hang around these circles when I was doing a little promoting and, and I used to uh, cut guys' hair and, and, and just be on the scene. And, and, you know, a couple of the best DJs in the city were, 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 were my clients and I was always VIPing everywhere and I'd be around. You know how you hang around. I'd be around back in the 90s. That's what I did. You know, I was a 30-year-old whippersnapper, and, and I hung around. And I heard players from other cities. Dudes would literally sit there and talk to each other and be like, Fred was a monster. They, no, you can't do nothing with him. You don't want to see that dude coming. They said that about Fred Taylor, and they said it about Ricky Williams. I've heard that so many times. I heard it out of town. I heard it in a club in D.C. I heard it on a flats in a club called the Mirage in Cleveland. I heard it. I've heard it. The, the late, great Orlando Zeus Brown, I was talking to him, 
And that's I, I, I knew him, and uh, from from my days of working in the nightclub in D.C. when he would come home, and uh, I saw him in Cleveland, and we were talking, and we were talking to a couple of his teammates, and and they were talking about Fred Taylor. It's unreal. So, and and, he, and Zeus was late in his career at this time, I believe. He was really, really late in his career. So, um, it, it's it it just you have to understand how other people feel about guys. So when, when I say these things, it's not just my opinion and what I watch. I heard Jim Brown, the great Jim Brown, talk about Fred Taylor. I heard Ray Lewis. I heard Warren Sapp. I heard Derrick Brooks. I saw him against that defense, that defense, a Tony Dungy did. I saw Fred Taylor run those guys ragged, running around them, making a miss. You can't erase that stuff. You can't erase it. You, you absolutely cannot erase it. He'd be a top 10 pick right now in the draft. Jimmy Smith right now, if he was coming out in the draft, would be one of those guys to be a top 10, top 15 pick. What did they not do? i tell you what they didn't do. They didn't play for a team like New England, like Julian Edelman, and win. And this whole moving of the goalposts, when a guy has 600 catches and, you know, a guy have three or 400 catches and, 6,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, and somebody wants to put him in a Hall of Fame. It, it bugs me out, man, when Isaac Bruce had almost 12,000 yards and, and they basically had to beg this dude to get in the Hall of Fame. It bugs me out. When I watched Art Monk break the all-time record, get put on the shoulders on Monday night, and they stopped the game and gave him a game ball, and Art Monk had to wait almost over a decade to get into the Hall of Fame. I saw this stuff. And now they want to, all these dudes want to rush and put Julian Edelman when he wasn't even better than Wes Welker. They want to rush and put him in the Hall of Fame. It absolutely makes me sick to my stomach, really, because it's the ultimate moving of the goalposts that just pisses me off when they want to talk about the Hall of Fame. They need to stop letting the media build these people up and just ask the players. And I hate the fact that it sounds like I'm crushing Julian because that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm crushing the people that are talking about Julian Edelman. I wish it, I wish today I could be just celebrating the dude's career, even though I probably wouldn't even be talking about him because he didn't play for the Jaguars. But I can't do it because we're sitting right here with three guys that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame for Jacksonville, and they're trying to sit here and put – and the more media people around here, they go, yeah, but if their careers didn't go – no, y'all stop shoveling boo-boo on yourself if you're a Jacksonville – uh, if you covered this team and understand what those people are doing, those media guys for the other team are pushing these guys to Canton while you sitting there debating and politicking against the guys that basically you covered and you know how good they were. It's a shame, man. I mean, you can say you're being honest all you want to, but the bottom line is you got to play by the same rules everybody else is playing by. And the thing is, is, if you know how good your guy was relative to how good the other guy was, that's what matters. That's what matters. It's not your opinion versus the other guy's opinion. It's about this. Was your guy better than the guy that they're pushing in the Hall of Fame? That's what you need. I think that's the narrative that needs to come out, and that's why I'm sitting here pushing for these guys. So what I'm going to talk about in the next segment is this. How can team success here in Jacksonville make sure that this doesn't happen in the future? And who can benefit from it if it does go right? If it goes wrong, who's going to be the people that suffer just like Fred, Jimmy, and Tony? I'll talk about that in segment three here 
on a Tuesday edition. Well, you know what it is. That's right. Locked on Jaguars. I had car trouble, man. I went to Cancun. I got to tell you this story real quick. First of all, I'm going to tell you about rockauto.com because it's the best place for you to get all of your auto parts and accessories. Luckily, my vehicle was covered by warranty, but yours might not be. Yours might not be. I went to Cancun, came back 1 o'clock in the morning, and my car wouldn't work. Luckily for me, roadside assistance, car's covered by warranty. I'm good to go. It was just a pain in the butt. That's why this podcast came on late. But you might not be so lucky, and you might have to pay for parts, and you need to save 30 40 50 even sometimes 60%. And the way you get that is you need to go to rockauto.com because it's been in business. It's been a family-owned business for over two decades, and you – need those savings just like everyone else whether you'll do it yourself or it doesn't matter you're going to get the same prices as a professional and when you go to rockauto.com they're going to ask you how did you hear about us there's a box i want you to put locked on in that box so that they know that your family and you were sent to them by us now every single thing you could ever want and need they have it i say want and need because some things you don't need but you just want them those are the accessories for your vehicle and they have them for every single make and model. So go to rockauto.com right now and enter locked on in that how did you hear about us box and start saving. Sit on your computer, order them, and knock, knock, knock. Not too long after that, you're going to get the best parts and accessories for your vehicle that you can imagine and save you some money to boot. It's rockauto.com. All right, man. So guess what? It's almost time for the draft and the ultimate mock draft in 2021 is about here. So April 19th through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaConfor, and Michael Lombardi. Our local experts from every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Subscribe to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all sports podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. All right, your third and final segment here on a Tuesday is Tony Wiggins with Locked On Jaguars, where I bring you the daily podcast for the Jacksonville Jaguars here on the Locked On Podcast Network because it's your team every day, and you can subscribe on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcast. So we've been talking about this Hall of Fame and all of this quarterback stuff and why don't you take a quarterback and doing this and doing that, dispelling all of these things that these guys, I guess they're bored and they're putting all of this stuff out. So who who can benefit most if we get this right and the team has success? So when, they, when it's time for them from their career standpoint to get the – recognition that they deserve they'll get it well obviously trevor lawrence if he's as good as advertised uh jeremy shap and uh he plays as well as he's supposed to uh hall of fame people and this team wins he'll get his just due but he's going to be able to bring some people along with him i'm going to start on the defensive side of the ball the guys that are already here josh allen because i think they have a long-term plan for josh allen and uh, he's still young enough to have a positive impact on his career. I think the guy that has some catching up to do is Miles Jack, but he can definitely get that done. Uh, even though he's like a fifth or six-year guy, hasn't really uh, built up the Pro Bowl and, and all pro stuff yet. But 
if he does it now and he associates those things with winning, uh, he he's getting off to a little bit of a late start, but he does have a good enough reputation where he can start building that cachet up now and people will remember that and he'll they'll associate all of it with winning. And his stats still his stats do matter. So the stats that he has been able to accumulate early in his career do matter and that'll help him out. Anybody that they draft this year, obviously, but for the guys that are already on the team, CJ Henderson Certainly with him being a second-year player, he has the physical talent and the physical tools to to certainly put himself in a nice position to attach himself to some winning here in Jacksonville. On the offensive side of the ball, I wouldn't necessarily say any of the offensive linemen uh, have distinguished themselves yet uh, enough throughout their early career to be able to say that they're going to be able to do that. So I'm going to say that it's all of the guys, anyone that they draft at a skilled position coming into this season and any new guy. So it's going to be Trevor Lawrence and whoever his buddies are. I think, though, I do believe LaVisca Chenault has a shot. Like, Chark, I don't think he's gotten off to that start yet, and I think he has maybe a few too many years under his belt. Um, This is a critical year for him. I think Chark needs a big year this year. If he gets a big year this year, because Jimmy didn't get off to a huge start, Jimmy Smith, to his career statistics-wise, because he played for a very good team and then he had some injuries. So around that fourth year, if he's able to pick it up a little bit, which I think he is this year because I think he's going to be a number one, I just get the feeling that the Jaguars are going to spread the ball out a little bit and be a, a team that has a whole lot of weapons. So Chark may be a guy that, while he he has a number one-esque type uh, season, it may not show up in the, the statistics where he has that 1,300, 1,400-yard season because I think they're really, really going to spread the ball around and just be a dangerous team. So he might have 180 yards this week and he may only have 50 yards next week because of the way that they're going to move the ball. Because LaVisca is a bit of a Swiss Army knife, I think there's, there's a chance that he could have sort of a cult following, and I say that in a positive way, that allows him to uh, sort of be remembered a certain way and, and, you know, down the line and sort of be looked at as a certain way. And he's built like RoboCop, you know what I'm saying? And he, he's a tackle breaker, and, he, and he, has this, he has this body of like a superhero. So when you add all of those little things in and the winning aspect, now he's still going to have to put up the numbers. But eventually if he starts transforming into this Anquan Bolden-like the receiver, that's kind of what he's built like too. And if, he, and if he transforms into that later on in his career and he starts really demanding that type of attention and, and that type of ball uh, being thrown to him and, and being able to put be put in all of these different positions and getting some end of the rounds where he throws touchdowns and all of this kind of stuff and he runs touchdowns out of the backfield, all of that stuff could sort of add to the lore of LaVisca Chenault, but I, that's why I think they're going to draft some more playmakers because that's what I think this team needs. And let me say this, and I might do a show on this tomorrow. As much as everyone loves Kyle Pitts, if this team picks Pat Frymouth, whether it's late in the first or early second, and Frymouth comes in here and gets 650 yards and seven touchdowns, and he hurdle somebody or run somebody over at the goal line or makes a one-handed catch down the seam, this fan base will go, Kyle who? And they win because tight end play has been so sketchy for this franchise. If he's able to do that, 
He will be a hero in this town. And they will absolutely love him, especially if most of his catches go for first downs. Don't kid yourself. That, that kid will have a chance to be a Duval legend. And you'll go Kyle who? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So that's my contribution to the airwaves today, man. Uh, one day I'll tell you about my coming home from Cancun. I went to Cancun uh, for uh, some uh, little QT. I really had a good time. Got home from 2 o'clock in the morning and my car wouldn't work. And they wouldn't let roadside assistance in because the gate was closed. So I had to go back the next day, which was today. And then the tow truck company made me wait three hours, and then they said they couldn't come. And I had to get another one. And then by the time I got another one, the car got to the dealer late, and the dealer said they weren't going to be able to – it's covered under warranty, but they weren't going to be able to get it back to me today. So I pretty much wasted an entire day running around in the sun when I could have been just getting my act together and getting acclimated back to Jacksonville. So it was a real pain in the you-know-what. But I'm back. I'm here. I'm with you guys. I'm dropping these bombs. So – Feels good to be home, and uh, I left Paradise and came back to Paradise. How about that? So I'll be back here tomorrow with some more content for you guys here on Locked on Jaguars. I want you to continue to take care of each other, and uh, that's it, man. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. We're getting real, real close to the draft. So uh, shout out to my man E. Dilla, too, for raising some money, and yes, I did uh, make a contribution. So shout out to E. Dilla for the charity uh, that he raised uh, for Trevor Lawrence's uh, charity, too. Uh, he's the cold hard truth. So uh, peace to the Jaguar Nation for uh, answering that call and uh, the, the entire uh, Duval, Duval, y'all the truth, man. I, I was on vacation and saw it. I was I ain't going to tell you what my mind state was, but when I saw it, I had to hit my man E. Dilla up. And uh, I wanted to be a part of the blessing because, you know, when when something like that is going on, you want to attach yourself to it, not just for clout, man, but you just say, hey, man, when people are doing good things, you want to be a part of it, too. So I think he's raised like almost $8,000 now, and it's going to a local charity. So that's a good deal, man. So uh, you, go, you all be blessed, man, and I'll get with you tomorrow here on Locked on Jaguar. Make sure you go on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcast and subscribe to Locked on Jaguars.